Hello, hello, and welcome to the conclusion of Book 2, Chapter 9. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this chapter as much as we enjoyed making it, uh, but those of you who've been with us for a while, you know what a chapter finale means. It is time again to ask the once and future nerd. We'll be doing a YouTube live stream, Date and Time TBA, where we answer your questions. If you want to submit a question, you can post it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Tumblr with the hashtag AskTOAFN, or DM us on Patreon if you're a patron. Uh, just make sure you get those questions in by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on June 2nd. That's uh, this coming Friday, if you're listening, when this releases. Again, that's hashtag ask. T-O-A-F-N on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Tumblr. And then be sure to follow those channels so you can see when we're doing the stream. As always, I want to thank our patrons on Patreon who make this show possible. This month, Lisa F. and Jesse H. win the shout-out lotto. Thank you both for your support. It means a lot. And as a reminder, $12 a month and up patrons get their questions prioritized for Ask a Once a Future Nerd, and they get the full chapters cut together at the end of each chapter. Uh, finally, one last heads up, there's probably going to be a bit of a break between Chapter 9 and Chapter 10. We're still figuring out the schedule. If it looks like it's going to be more than a month or two, uh, we will pause our Patreon during that time and then start it up again as the release draws near, uh, but stay tuned for official announcements about that. Okay, I will talk to you again when we release our Q&A, and in the meantime, enjoy the conclusion of Book 2, Chapter 9. Once and Future Nerd, Book Two, Myth Made Flesh. Chapter Nine, A Handful of Bodyguards, Part Five by Gregory M. Schultz and Christian T. Kelly Madeira. The sun was at its peak in the lands west of the mountains, as Vanderberg, Weston and Billy crested a small hill topped with scrub grass into an old forgotten cemetery. The day had gone by with no further physical attacks as the journey had quickly begun to take its toll on the travellers. Seems as good a spot as any for you to meet your end. <laughs> you couldn't beat me in a fair fight and you know it. But when our duel comes... No, I'll leave you out for the birds. About all you're good for. That isn't to say the two gang leaders didn't continue to spar with one another. Their day-long trip had included many colourful insults, threats, promises, and descriptions of what would happen to the others' bodies after they died. How much further, boy? For his part, Billy was uncharacteristically quiet. At current, he was taking the opportunity granted by higher elevation to look over the ground they had covered. What's the matter? Someone following us? Huh? Oh, uh, no. But, uh, we're here. This is the spot. What? This is where we're meeting your man? Yep. Well, actually, not exactly. This is where we're getting the statue, though. I don't follow. Oh, uh... It's already here. At this, both men looked at Billy curiously, then started to scan the old headstones for a flash of white 
eager to have their prize. Oh, you're not going to see it. It's buried. What? Huh? Billy began walking through the cemetery. You know, I kind of thought one of you would have taken out the other one by now. I know once one of you gets your hands on this, I'm going to be useless to you. So I'd, I'd rather you two have it sorted out who's going to get this thing before I tell you where it is. You know, Cliff, I'm fixing to just kill this little shit now and getting it over with. What do you think? Then we can just dig up every grave here until we find the lady. Doesn't sound so bad, Les. You could try that, so long as your men are on board playing 52 pickup with Grandpa's bones. And so long as you think you could fill the graves back in before the elves get here. Both Vanderberg and Weston squinted at Billy warily. How do you expect us to do this sorting? I thought maybe you could wrestle for it. You want us to just brawl for the right to run our town? Not brawl, wrestle. And not the kind with the suplexes and the pile drivers either. I'm talking Greco-Roman wrestling. The gang leaders, for possibly the first time ever, looked to each other for guidance. You guys don't have wrestling here? Oh man, this is great. Plus, now you can totally have a fair fight. How you reckon that? Well, neither of you know the rules, so you'll both be starting from scratch. Plus, added bonus, we'll do rounds so you can talk shit. That's half the fun, honestly. Wait, how do you mean rounds? Doesn't one man win and the other is either dead or dying? No, but that's also great, because you get to shove it in their face that you won. You got a clear winner at the end. I figured whoever loses has to dig. Cool? Vanderberg and Weston glanced towards each other then looked at the collection of headstones, searching for any tell for the location of the statue. Finding no answers, they looked back to Billy. Well, reckon I could use a break after that hike. You can rest after you finish digging up my prize. Cool. So here's how you wrestle. Okay. There's actually a lot of different rules, but I think for you two, the basic thing is going to be pinning your opponent's back and shoulders to the ground for three seconds. Also, no nut shots or hair pulling or anything like that. Also, no weapons. You guys aren't hiding any weapons, are you? <laughs> Who are we kidding? Of course you are. All right, give me your clothes. Are you Somewhere. out of your mind? It's got to be a fair fight if it's going to decide who runs the town. Unless you're both too chicken shit to fight with bare hands like real men. At this, both allegedly real men instinctively grabbed and unsheathed hidden blades from within their clothes. Oh, I'll gut you like a fish. And then, realizing the other's transgression, they turned their gazes on each other. You, you lion bastard. See, that's what I mean. Can't trust either of you. Strip down and leave your clothes over here. Both men glared at Billy before spitting on the ground and then reluctantly beginning to disrobe. And hey, look, I'm not trying to see your old ass balls or taints and stuff. So show of good faith while you two get bare ass. I'm going to write the name of the grave on this rock. OK, a few minutes later, Billy used his toe to draw a large circle in the ground around the two nude men. Here's your ring. You'll need to stay in here while you wrestle. Ready to do this thing? The two opponents squared their shoulders and locked eyes as they began to circle each other. The waning sun had sent an orange pall over the match. Wah, wah, wah. Vanderberg and Weston sent a dubious look toward Billy. Oh, uh, it's a traditional wrestling song. Okay, 
Ready? And wrestle! Both men appeared to be hesitant to make the first move until suddenly... Weston rushed Vanderberg, tackling him to the ground. Vanderberg, to his credit, took the tackle in his centre mass. As they went to ground, Vanderberg managed to keep his torso upright to keep his shoulders away from the ground. Weston lunged from both his opponent's shoulders, but Vanderberg managed to tuck it sideways, ending up with Weston laying on his stomach. Vanderberg pounced on Weston's back, shoving his head into the ground. Desperate to get out from under his opponent, Weston threw an elbow into Vanderberg's ribs to create some space before scurrying forward. Vanderberg caught his breath and reached out to grab Weston's foot to prevent him from getting too far, but rolled to the side as a rock whizzed past him. Hey! That's against the rules. To hell with the rules. Fine, Dan. Vanderberg grabbed a handful of grit and dust and threw it into Weston's eyes. He then sprinted to the rock which Billy had written on and left on the ground. What in Selburn? But as he puzzled over the writing thereon, his opponent snuck up behind and clobbered him with two fists balled up together. This blow floored and stunned Vanderberg long enough for Weston to pick up and read Billy's rock. What in Selburn? Hey, kid! Weston glanced to where Billy had been standing. But Billy was gone, along with both men's clothes. Oh, that little shit! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Billy was running as fast as he could back the way he had come, searching the fairly barren landscape for any sign of life. Really don't want to run all the way. Just then, Nia appeared as Billy crested a dune. Oh, fuck yes! Billy trotted up to Nia and threw his arms around her. Oh! I'm pleased to see you too, Billy. But you are sweating quite profusely. Billy released Nia and doubled over, breathing heavily. Where's Jen? Just over there, but she requested not to be bothered. Summoning a sandstorm is not an easy task. Billy turned to see Jen lying on the dune, staring in the direction Billy just came from. You got this, babe. A sudden wind picked up, and a storm began brewing. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the now leaderless town of Pacific Ridge... You know both of them have a hold on the third floor when there's no elves in town? Costs a pretty penny, I'll tell you that. Been here and they have an agreement with the elves to keep this place in check. You ever think they're working together? Well, I hope I'm not talking out of school, but by now you'd expect one to have pulled ahead of the other. Unless they've been splitting jobs. Or skimming more off the top than they let on. But they wouldn't do that, would they? I heard they play cards together, and, and this whole feud was over one hand a few years ago. Been gone a while. Could be they've already left this place behind and took their bloody mangamp with them. It is the nature of Memiet with power to deceive those without. If it ain't too personal a question, Liam, what was your share of the last contract? Heard maybe they've been working together this whole time, skimming off the top even. Could be they've already left up together to run this ruse on some other poor town. Now why have they been working again? Boss would be caught dead working with That's just it. They killed each other out there in the sands. They ain't coming back. All are talking crazy. Are we? How much do you take home from the last contract? 
It was the evening after Billy had left that he, Jen, and Nia returned. How'd it go? I trolled them so good, dude. They're big mad. Jen's sandstorm was an awesome sight. Yeah, I kind of can't believe how big it got once I got it started. I feel bad for those guys, to be honest. That, that is good, Jen. Your powers are... Needed. You did what had to be done. How's the plan going here? We're getting there, I think. But without them two, who'd set up our contract? Who's running this damn town? Who's in charge? Who? 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 So everyone here seems to love Janie, huh? Boss always said Janie's the only person in the whole town can keep a secret. Good head on her shoulders, that Janie. I know I'd be lost if Janie didn't keep my books. Janie! 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 In a small town like Pacific Ridge, the stories spread like fire, stoked as they were by the work of the group residing at Lulu's alehouse. In the course of a day, about every conceivable story had been spread around. From Vanderberg and Weston had been lovers and run away to spend their life together, to they had killed each other on the sands armed with a deck of cards. Even one about how they were spectres sent to Pacific Ridge to make the town pay for past transgressions of their ancestors. Where's Janie? Uh, yeah, get her out here. I can't believe I let you talk me into this. I was just asking questions and letting people know how things work in this town. Who is really keeping them fed? You really don't need to do much different. Except go be in front of them. You think that's a big crowd? You should come back east and see the mobs we have in the cities. Trust me, this is nothing. Never going east. Got it. Ha ha. Go talk to your town. Then we'll discuss whether or not you'll ever come east. Janie nodded, turned toward the door, took a deep breath, and walked out. All right, y'all. Settle down. Settle down. I ain't never done anything like this before. But since my best efforts to talk y'all out of it have failed, I'm gonna do my best. But Janie, that elf is here! Ahead of when we heard! That's his character rolling this way. What are we gonna tell him? That I can handle. At this moment, it would have been impossible not to notice the ornate carriage approaching Lulu's alehouse by way of Pacific Ridge's main thoroughfare. From this carriage emerged a finely dressed elf. He was new to the town of Pacific Ridge, but you, dear listener, are already acquainted with him, I believe. Uh, greetings and uh, salutations, my good woman. Uh, Tomas Jiff, at your service. Am I to presume you're the proprietor of this inn? No, sir, she's inside, but I think you'll want to speak to me anyway. Perhaps I will, once I've arranged for my lodgings, but uh, if you'll excuse me... I... Am I to presume you want to talk to Lester Vanderberg or Clifford Weston? Why, yes. Do you know where I might find the gentleman? Well, see, that's the thing. Both of them have taken an indefinite leave of our town. I've recently been appointed to fill both their roles. Hmm. Well, I must admit it puts me ill at ease to hear that. In my correspondence with them, I was assured a certain uh, continuity of leadership here. 
dependability, if you like. And while I've no reason to doubt your leadership abilities, well, I mean no insult, but I've also no reason to trust them. No insult given, but I hope you'll let me give you a reason. At this, Janie reached back inside the door of the alehouse and produced a cloth-wrapped bundle, which she hastily unwrapped, and Logif's eyes widened when he saw what it contained. Is that what it looks like? If it looks like the genuine and original white lady, then yes. My, my, my. The trick, of course, is that everyone you ask would say it's priceless, but I'm sure we can agree on something. I look forward to negotiating that with you, alongside the contract I've heard you brought. Subject to a proper appraisal, I look forward to that as well. I must admit you've made a tremendous first impression upon me, uh, but now you truly must excuse me. I am tired and frankly dusty from my journey. We shall begin our discussions in earnest at dawn tomorrow. Assuming, of course, that the storied rangers of Pacific Ridge trust you to bargain on their behalf. As if to make one final assessment of his new negotiating partner, the elf made a show of scanning the gathered crowd. There you have it, sir. Dawn it is. But just then, amidst Janie's moment of triumph, did two new waves of dismay begin to roil from two different sides of the crowd. Upon realising that Vanderberg and Weston had returned, Janie reflexively concealed her precious statue once more. But the two men now stumbling, delirious, through the crowd were not the same men who departed. Deese. I'm looking for two of them. You got a family name, Deese. What's your grandpappy's name? You know the Deese family. Then two of They were naked from head to toe, and every inch of their respective bodies was either caked in a thick layer of dust, furiously sunburned, or both. And as they shambled among their former underlings, barely able to stand, they were muttering two names with feverish obsession. These. Two of. These. Anyone called these? These. Tell me everything you know about. Who is two of? And in fact, they were not shocked back into coherence until they had reached the centre of the crowd and saw the elf Timos beside his carriage. Both men jerked up straight and hastily covered their privates. Mr. Jeff, welcome. I didn't expect you so soon, sir. Uh, Mr. Vanderberg, I presume, and Mr. Weston, can you please explain uh, the state of you? Oh, uh, well, well, sir, I, we, we were all looking for a, a fabulous treasure to make you welcome gift. Uh, a treasure? We got waylaid, but don't you worry, that treasure's just within reach. As if just now remembering the circumstances that brought them to this moment, the two men turned towards the alehouse with unbridled fury. Billy! Send that little shit out here! Billy emerged from the alehouse with a flagon of ale in one hand and a stew-filled corn cake in the other. Oh, hey guys, who won the wrestling match? 
I split when I got bored with the storyline. It's like, ugh, big surprise. Another 50-50 booking, you know? Where's the grave, you shit-ass little fuck? We searched that whole graveyard in a god's damned sandstorm and didn't find jack shit. He knows, Mr. Jiff. He knows where it is. The treasure. Buried in the grave of a man named Deese. First name Tuoff. But we can't find the grave. And he knows where it is. And if he doesn't tell us right the fuck now, I'm gonna pull all his teeth and shove him up his ass. Tell us, you little prick. Where can we find two of these? The giddy grin on Billy's face threatened to cleave his whole head in twain. Aw, oh, buddy. They're right here. Two of these nuts! <laughs> Billy notwithstanding, the gathered crowd was completely silent. Even Vanderberg and Weston were too dumbfounded for rage. Inside the alehouse, Jen buried her face in her palm and massaged her temples. Nelson placed a comforting hand on her shoulder. This is a memiet joke. <laughs> yeah, dude. I got them so fucking good. Explain it to me, please. You see, so, you see, <laughs> I made him look for a guy called Two of D's. So then when he asked me where to find Two of D's, and I said, Two of D's nuts, like how it sounds like, Two of these nuts, like balls, gonads. Like he wanted me to put my sweaty nads in his mouth or something. And I, I take it this is meant to be humiliating to him? Yeah. I mean, nobody wants nads in their mouth, right? Well, I, I guess some, some people do. And if you do, that's cool. Like, no judgment or anything. If you're... Consenting adults or whatever, not now that I think about it, I guess it's kind of, what's the word? It's, uh, is it homophone? Homophobic, Billy. The word you're looking for is homophobic. It's actually both if you think about it. It's a homophobic homophone. Thanks, Nelson. Anyway, you, you get it. Thank you. I understand perfectly well now. Uh, Mr. Vandenberg, Mr. Weston... It's clear to me you've been outsmarted by an imbecile. Ah, <laughs> directive shits. Hey, wait. As you've clearly misrepresented your own abilities, uh, please consider this a termination of any implied agreements we might previously have had. What? Oh, and Silverin, are you fixing the contract through then? This woman here has proven herself quite competent. I see no reason not to deal with her. Janie. Y'all just gonna stand by and let the town fall apart like this? Sorry, Liz. We all just got to think that Janie's the only one that's got everyone's best interests at heart. Just makes sense to put her in charge. It's no hard feelings, just business. No hard feelings, my ass! Y'all are getting played for fools by those outsiders he brought in. Let me inside and I'll tear them apart. No can do, Cliff. That there's my inner circle. Now, would you all do me a favor and see these two to the outskirts of town before they do anything rash? Everything seems to have gone according to plan, Your Grace. And Janie seems to be settling into her new role well. I know. I'm kind of waiting for the other axe to fall. 
Well, it's coming from one of two places, if you ask me. One is Bill. He ain't bright. But he can be one mean son of a bolt when he's got egg on his face. And far as I can tell, you egged him good. I've known plenty of men like Bill. I'm hoping he gives me a cause to end him. The other one to watch for will be that elf. If he's staying here, then that's my cue to leave. But you be wary of him. Elves have this way with words. They dress up the vilest things you can imagine, all fancy, and call it the law. Yeah, we know a thing or two about that. I mean it. So do I. Believe me, if we liked licking elf boots, we wouldn't have walked our asses all the way into the Black Mountains. You still owe me that long story, but time's short. I see you around, Irona Regan, Miss Lulu, Miss Janie. And no sooner did the back door of the alehouse close than the front door swung open. Well, that's them, Mr. Jiff. Nick, that statue from right under the White Forest snows. Well, I'll be very interested to speak with you all come the morrow. Uh, Miss Louise Beauregard, I presume? You can call me Lulu, Mr. Jiff. Your quarters are waiting for you. Third floor is all yours. And with that... The elf tipped his cap and headed up the stairs. And of course, porters came scurrying behind him with a truly outrageous amount of luggage. So, how's it feel to be in charge? Feels like I need some more help with my rabbits. I'll take a bath and meet you upstairs. I'm glad you're safe, babe. You did a good job. Did you hear when I made the mask where to find two of these nuts? Yeah. Yep, I did. Did you learn anything, talking to that orcish man? Yeah, I learned I understand this place better than I thought. Come. Perhaps you can enlighten me. I never thought I'd see the day, Brennan. But with every new challenge, our queen impresses me more and more. There is no blade so blunt it cannot be honed, under the right conditions. I reckon this calls for a round on the house. Lulu filled a flagon to its brim and raised it up high. To a truly Pacific ridge. But there was considerably less merriment in a small shack on the edge of town, where the man called Bill removed an iron from a fire, bit down on a strip of leather, and held the iron to his superating arm. And there was perhaps even less merriment still on the outskirts of another town, several miles to the west. Oh, Daffodil. Why are we stopped? I thought you might appreciate a moment to collect yourself before we cross the bridge. Oh, I mean, I would, but you're right. Bad news is best delivered as soon as possible. It's not all bad news. You've secured us quite a few blankets and logs and bows. Do you really believe the things you say? Well, I'd like to believe I'm not a habitual liar. You just always find the good in the most dire situations. Do you really feel that way? 
or do you just say it because it's what you think people ought to hear? I find the good when I talk with you because it's what you need to hear, First Snow. When I talk to someone who is prone to unfounded optimism, I politely remind them of costs and dangers. Everything is about perspective, girl. You'll never know the shape of a stone unless you look at it from several sides. Sometimes it feels like you try to talk me out of sadness, and I don't think that's what we should do with sadness. Hmm. Sometimes perhaps that is what I am doing. You have my apologies, dear. You see, sometimes even I don't look at the stone from enough sides. <laughs> Auntie, I'm so frightened. Without the Federation, we'll never hold the town, and everyone's going to hate me for challenging the elves. No one will begrudge you challenging the elves. We know their treachery all too well. Then they'll hate me for bearing the news we're doomed. You're right that our chances of holding the town are slim. And I don't ever mean to get in the way of your grief, but I need you to know that a great loss is not the same as doom. Auntie, you're doing it again! I am not. There is a difference between allowing a fire to run its natural course and throwing fuel on it. There's enough to grieve about without making things out to be worse than they are, yes? Now, will some of your neighbors be angry with you? Sure. But they won't hate. Do you really think they'll hurt you? Cast you out? Never forgive you? No. Then let them be angry. Just as you let yourself be sad or frightened. <laughs> I think I'm ready now. Only if you're sure. These are fine bows. The elves and their lapdogs will come to hate them. Get up, Daffodil. Before I lose my nerve. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira, and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Associate producers are Susan Degnan and Alex Story. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Hawkins. Aaron Lanham. Paul Notice. Anna O'Daniel. April Ortiz. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Regina Renee Russell Gregory M. Schultz David Sylvester Wolf Editing by Jim Banting Foley Sound Design and Post-Production Mixing by Jim Banting Thank you.
Tomley is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr or Reddit.